how I experienced Deborah three years ago. If you go to my um, Facebook page, you can you can see it. I interviewed her. We had a therapy session. I did not know a lot about Deborah, and I was really surprised how much I learned and how open she was to me. And if you know me at all, I have a big fear of authority. Did you know that, Deborah? That I have a big fear of authority? Did I ever tell you that? No, and I would certainly not have guessed it. <laughs> oh, okay. So to me, you were authority, and I was really on what? <laughs> oh, I don't know. On the on the. Uh, <laughs> Self-appointed. <laughs> I just realized what happened, Deborah. I turned the board on hijack. And I forgot to turn it off. I got distracted. So is it working now? Now it's fine. Yeah. Now everything's fine. Okay. Yeah. Tom, everything's fine. Sorry for the emergency. I just panicked. Uh, which isn't good, but everything's fine now. So as I was saying, I uh, interviewed Deborah three three years ago, almost to the day. It was in July, and I was amazed. I was a little intimidated by her because she was such a pillar in the community, and she's also, like, super, super talented and super, super dignified, <laughs> Right? Do you do you know that about you, Deborah? Maybe it comes with um, being older than a lot of people walking but around. But I'm old. Sure. We're like the same age. So, so but you you're can... dignified. You were. Well, anyway, that's ridiculous, isn't it? So anyway, so uh, never mind. Uh, but I was really surprised, and I just want to catch you guys up. Since I re-listened to the thing that uh, we talked about, it was a uh, 50-minute therapy session. You can listen to it again on YouTube. Uh, your uh um if you go to facebook on soundcloud whatever but things that i learned about deborah that 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 uh, that i found unexpected when i remembered by listening back on it was that deborah is from an extremely accomplished family her father was in government and her sister is what a brain nuclear <laughs> physicist what is she doing? she is a physicist um and works in southern california uh, and yeah, is, and has two fantastic kids and is sort of my hero. <laughs> well, you're my hero. So you're from like a really accomplished family and it's like really like weird that you're an artist, right? There just aren't any artists. They, they don't even have like the makings. Like you have a successful family, not people that have a fallback and being an artist. You know what oh, I'm saying, right? It's an, it is a little odd. My mom has a very aesthetic side and right. really nurtured, I think, my creativity when I was young. And I think that's who I really owe it to. But I definitely am a little bit of an outlier in my family. And um, but that's been great. I, I'm i so in awe of what they do that it's kind of nice to be under the radar in my activity. How do how do they perceive it? Are they? I think they think that um, I have accomplished a lot in a tough field being here and so they, really dedicated. So and, they can appreciate what you do, even though it's not really yeah, them. That's cool. Yeah, That's good. They should. So I'm close to my family. And, and you, were, I remember, were all, as you said, you were always a really good artist as a kid. You were one of those kids who, like, just drew all the time or something. Like, you were a natural, right? Am I remembering I that correctly? I uh, was serious about it. And I think mm -hmm. the people who were my instructors took me seriously. So it was, I, I never felt that I was not encouraged. 
to keep going and right. I did even though you probably could have had like you probably you know you could probably be in like you could probably be up for a job in Hillary's cabinet or something like that if you, <laughs> I can't if you really wanted I, I bet think that you would could. be my father's dream for me but that's not I think been you my could, dream I think you I could see you doing it I could see you doing but anyway that's so I just want to remind people if they go back to let them know like I'm not going through this again but I learned a lot and it, it's Deborah has a very interesting and a very surprising background. And three years ago when I did that interview with her, I was quite surprised. So here we are today. Um, I, uh, Deborah and I are definitely friends and I consider us colleagues as well. Do you, Deborah? Oh, even though of we're, course. It's and not even, even though we're not necessarily involved in money-making ventures that much. None of them but they're, are. But they're, we're still <laughs> colleagues, right? I think on the Bushwick scene, I think both of us have made our contributions. And we've intersected in a number of them that have been important for the community, like the Bushwick Open Studios fundraiser last year, which was at MySpace, in which you held hosted the auction oh. for, which was an amazing feat of endurance oh, and Deborah. goodwill. It went oh, on for about it was, four it hours. Was fun. We there had... were almost, I think, a thousand people there at different times. It was, I mean, to have spearheaded that, which you did with Sibeli and other community leaders, was really unbelievable. I was just in the background floating around. And I was no, no, Deborah, don't diminish this. Don't degrees. diminish this. We're going to get into, uh, no, you, no, it's you, no, you, no, you. We're not doing that. That's a girl. You know, that's a girl thing. Do you think, <laughs> no, it's, uh, whatever. Um, well, I think we've been part of the same community here, which yeah, has undergone yeah. some amazing changes. Yes, and yes. It's, and it's been fun to look back and see that some of us are still hanging around here. Right, Doing right. whatever we're so doing. Just in the, in the effort to change. catch people up, I'm just going to do like a really quick roundup of where, how I, of where we are, where I see you now. So anyway, you're somebody who is obviously on my radar, somebody who I... Uh, interact with on social media probably more than in person just like so many of us who are trying to have our careers and also live a practical life we don't have a lot of free time and we all acknowledge that about each other and there's a real affection and a real caring there but one of the things that struck me in the last three years is to watch your work develop above all else that I have noticed about you. I have noticed the constant new paintings that you post and the constant development and um, just um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just, you know, they've really developed uh, blossoming. That's I don't know, something like that. And uh also, at the same time, I have also noticed that you've been a lot less active in the community. And um, besides the fact that I just personally miss you, um, I thought that it would be we could just kind of um, quickly because um, it's it's not what's most interesting about you. What's most interesting about you right now is where your work is. But just quickly, can you sum up? what's been going on as far as you had a, uh, for those of you who don't know, Deborah had a huge, has a huge space on 10 Ike, uh, where the benefit and many other benefits and many great shows. It's almost like as close to a museum in this community as you might, it's more, you know what I mean, right, Deborah? kind of? Well, I used it's a to bigger think of space. it as having a special cachet, but I think there's so many spaces out here now which run the gamut from very well-done artist-run spaces to professional galleries their, and their branches, like Luring Augustine and Clearing, and then my artist-run gallery colleagues, that 
I feel that MySpace had become less important in the dialogue and Mm -hmm. uh, that's to the credit of my fellows and of our Mm -hmm. success in building this I think as an art community it's still Mm -hmm. mostly run by artists and artists Mm -hmm. run galleries the art part of it that is but I feel like each one is less vital to the scene and and that's been true with seeing the passing of like Life on Mars Gallery which was a wonderful contribution they're gone now mm-hmm. or will be gone and you just see that nothing's forever and that the the whole thing has a trajectory that means each individual part is less important than the whole and i came to feel that way strongly about what i was up to as a artist run gallery mm-hmm. so how do you see the scene now how do you see it how has it changed i think that there're just so many more new and different people out here. When I first came out here, I mean, I was struck by this when I drove here from Tenek because I own a building on Stockholm Street around the corner that I bought 12 years ago. And I remember driving down that street for the first time 12 years ago. Bushwick, I would, I mean, there was no one like me here. For one, I would be the ivory-billed wordpecker, an old white lady walking around here. You would never have seen somebody like me in this community. And so I mean, imagine now there's people every I mean, this is a very much more diverse community than it was. It's got a lot of people who aren't artists and artists were definitely the first of a new community to come out here, you know, in the 2000s. And it's there used to be five galleries. Uh, We used to have to beat the drum to get people to come out and see the art that was being done here and think of all kinds of inventive ways to encourage people to visit and make it easier for them to visit. Now, Bushwick Open Studios has moved, as you know, to October to try and shake some of the less art-interested viewers and partiers to try and refocus it on the art. I mean, it was they were a victim in some ways of their own success. So imagine that. I mean, there's there, mm-hmm. people yes, come out here yes. just to drink, to try the different restaurants. There used to be only a handful of restaurants that the art community would consider going to. I mean, it's in every way it's changed. I so walk do you think it's not, less, um, like, if do you think it's less about the art now, or do you think it's just less centralized into one uh, basic arts and Bushwick community? It's a little hard to say. I mean, I would say the art part of it is still a very big part of it, and I think that's what's gotten Bushwick its cachet internationally mm-hmm. is the art community led the mm-hmm. charge, and that created the uh, climate for restaurants like Roberta's and others and bars. And, I mean, the whole activity kind of was spearheaded by the art community, I think, in combination with the wonderful people who were already living here who were their own element of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think now it's just so much bigger. And so, I I mean, I was saying to you earlier that I used to walk down the street and know, I'm sure you had this experience, you knew everybody you saw. That is, Mm -hmm. and in every restaurant, every Mm -hmm. bar, or the few that there were on the street, I don't have that experience at Mm -hmm. all now. I Mm -hmm. feel like a dinosaur. And that has been somewhat, I would say, responsible for my pulling back a little bit. Yeah, I I feel a little bit like, I mean, when I gave that party in January at Tenek and I invited all the people who I thought I knew from the early days, we had about 150 people there. It was like a hello, goodbye, Bushwick, because it was like, I don't know how long this is going to stay mm. this way where we even know this many people mm-hmm. here. I wanted to celebrate and get us together in January, and I did. And it was a nostalgic and bittersweet experience because some of us are still here, but the community has changed so much that our activity mm. takes place in a different context. Uh, yeah, and we've created makes... a lot of havoc in our wake of the gentrification. I, I mean, I don't want to get into that exclusively, mm-hmm. but... It's or extensively, but it is a part of the dialogue. And now it's just you can't be as big a cheerleader for Bushwick as an art place without realizing that it's created this 
problems for people who lived here before. And so all of that is the backdrop for my choosing to Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. of think, rethink things. Yeah, I totally, I totally, I totally see what you mean. And actually, it it echoes a lot of what I've been feeling myself, you know, so I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. I mean, I've been feeling the same way. There's something sad about not knowing everybody and not having that. But there's also, it's also becoming, uh, you know, I, I don't like getting hung up on nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. We gotta all I don't, move- it's not about poo- boohoo for us and all of that. That's right. I, That would be really a kind of... Well, it would be, we'd be getting stuck and not going anywhere. That's not good for anybody. And also, who would pity us? We've had, I mean, I think <laughs> the people to be That's felt true. sorry for are people whose lives have been upended by our coming here. So, and some of them mm-hmm. have benefited from it and many have not. But it's been, yeah. uh, no, it's I mean, just, unsought It's just by what them. happens to, and, to everyone, you know, like uh, Cindy Sherman and Robert Longo probably don't hang out together anymore either. <laughs> So um, one more last word I want to say on this topic, and then we're going to move right on to what's going on in your work. But, you know, I did remember this like it was uh, I think it was 2014. Do you remember when we did the benefit at your at Ten Eyck and I was standing on the table that year? We didn't have a stage. (laughs) Do you remember that one? Yeah, of the two benefits. And I remember saying to people at that time, it was 2014 um, and saying to people, this is a very special moment in time. This is not going to happen again. This is it. This is a very, very special moment. And I actually was noticing that. And I think it, I think it was. I think there's plenty of more special moments. But I do think uh, you could kind of feel like that it was just a world that was just about to be unleashed and discovered and changed, right? It's been escalating. I mean, you could see yeah. that as a as a as a curve that it's gotten so much steeper. And I I feel that it's it to be to pretend otherwise and like I'm back ten or twelve mm-hmm. years ago yeah. would be would make me look would make me feel foolish and look foolish. Yeah, we yeah. It's, well, you know I, me. I always say nostalgia's for losers. Move on. <laughs> So anyway, uh, which you've done. So um, tell me about what what's happened as far as your work goes in the last three years, because it seems like you have really, really focused on your painting. Like what's what's your lifestyle been? Have you just been in the studio? What's going how did this all how what happened there? Well, up until October, I was really pretty much on the same path. I was doing shows at Tenac, uh right up until then, and doing my own work. And as you know, I showed at Leslie Heller in the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. Leslie's a good friend. Good and gallery. Had a really nice opportunity to show several times with her. Um, but in October, I had I had filed – it was a whole series of things. I'd filed plans with the Department of Buildings to renovate Tenek and put a caretaker apartment in it. Mm-hmm. And it had been going on for a year. And in last December, the Buildings Department finally said no – we were led down a path where it is legal to do it, but mm. they couldn't get the permits to do it. So it was a paradox. And so I had closed the gallery in October thinking that I would be renovating by the end of the year. October two, uh, 2015 right. was the last show at the very end of October. And this also coincided with my getting Lyme disease last September, Ugh. October. And I was really sick for oh my God. several months. I didn't really get better until November. People who saw me out and about I, then probably remember me dragging around. I weighed like 100 pounds. You were really skinny. I, I was, was worried sick. about you. I didn't. I, I found I actually got 
got somebody to tell me that you because I was really worried. No, right. I it's, didn't no, know. I, I, I didn't know. Really I was bad, like, and I felt really bad. You looked. You didn't look. You know, healthy, and was I was relieved so, to hear it was Lyme disease. Frankly, <laughs> I know it was. It was something when they diagnosed, I could they could fix it. So I I had a sort of series of things that came together where I was sick. Uh, Leslie wow. Heller took my paintings to Paris for some little bitty art show. And I went, that was right after, well, sort of while I was still sick. Um, so I was not here much in October. Then uh, the buildings department said no to our permits and I had closed the gallery. So there was a kind of a break there of several months where I wasn't much in evidence. How did you feel? How did you feel? What was that like? Uh, being sick or being out of it? All of that. I felt really bad that I was physically unable to kind of maintain the pace that I had been because... I so was, is that just frustrating? It was. And, and I depressing? Was I thought, how am I going to kind of take care of everything I have to take care of, which in some ways is a lot of drudgery where you're cleaning buildings were, and No, where you were and... very physical. You're a very physical person. So yes. Just managing a bunch of no, but uh, you, real you, estate and spaces. Anybody that knows you can, can see that, you know, you're like a physical, you, you know, you seem like an outdoorsy type person, not no high heels for, for, for Deborah. <laughs> But but um, so I recovered, and then I I I was working hard on my own work. I always have been, but mm-hmm. I think I've kind of kept that under the radar that I have been very ambitious always for my own work. I think it seemed unseemly to make that too obvious when I was promoting other people's work and trying to uh, work to give other artists opportunities to mm-hmm. have a platform well, to be discovered. Mm-hmm. And I saw it all mm-hmm. as together and. Mm-hmm. integrated. I've always felt it is. But I began to realize that people didn't really see me as an artist in some ways mm-hmm. or saw that activity as secondary, even though I always mm-hmm. had a gallery and had shows in New mm-hmm. York, which I can't. I mean, a lot of people here do mm-hmm. not have that. Mm-hmm. But somehow, sure. I think maybe because I was successful at being a champion of other people's work, it began to confuse things. So all of this kind of took place at the moment when I was forced to stop for a Wait, while. Wait, I just want to say one thing about that. I also think that, you know, the way that you are seen as a leader in the community and sort of an authority figure of sorts, somebody who really has their shit together, I think for a lot of people there might be a conflict between picturing you as a artist, a creative person, and picturing you in that way, Do you in that role. Do you think that's possible also? Sure. I think do, that's Do a, you feel like good... that sometimes? I think... Or is that just... I never felt that it was a conflict for me to champion other people, champion a community, be involved in the community mm-hmm. in all different Which ways. Which you still are, we know. I, I hope so. I mean, I thought of it as just an incredible growth experience. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it made me stronger in mm-hmm. so many ways, including as an artist, because mm-hmm. I saw so many artists work. Mm-hmm. And I think we've had this conversation also where I was forced to make decisions about other people's work. It sharpens mm-hmm. my eye. Right, it began right. to make me... Right. So uh, you learned a lot from be that. Be critical more toward right. my own work, and it exposed me to many things that mm-hmm, helped me mm-hmm. make myself a better artist. So right. all of that was kind of taking place simultaneously, but I think the circumstances of my position didn't change. I showed at the same gallery. I had shows mm-hmm, every mm-hmm, now and then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wasn't pushing myself sure. on anybody. And so having this hiatus of about three months, I had a lot of dealer visits because my work had been getting better. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, um, in May, which is very recently, mm-hmm. uh, I'm on Instagram, and I had Instagrammed some images, and Mike Weiss liked them. I mm-hmm. saw he 
pressed like on his Instagram. Mm -hmm. So that must have meant he was following me or he was noticing me. I think he probably knew who I was before this Mm -hmm. and had probably passed on my work or not become as engaged with it as he then became. And I saw that and I invited him to my studio by email. I said, I, I... I uh, I don't even know if I referenced Instagram, but I said I would like to know if he'd like to come over, and he said yes. Wow. And then it happened very fast. He came over with his uh, gallery manager and another artist in the gallery, and uh, within a week, we had had formed this relationship, and it, it just – I felt like I woke up the next day, and I was a different – I saw myself in a different way. Wow. I saw myself – I know this is kind of romantic, and it no. might sound actually kind of – Unrealistic, but I think the fact that he took me seriously and saw, I think, the potential in my work made me think I can do a lot better even than I am doing. Wow. And think of myself in a totally different context, which I think I am in now. Wow, that's so fascinating. You mean the the, the, the confidence that he had in you Made me echoed. be more confident. Wow. And made me, it just completely liberated me. I felt, wow. what about, said, what work a- bigger. I thought, I said, I'm already working kind of big. And he said, work much bigger. Mm-hmm. And it changed my, so I did. So I, it changed my my stroke, my idea of what finish looks like in a painting, like how I could actually make the work, um, what could be a subject for my painting. It's just, I mean, I've had this relationship with him for two months, and I feel like I've made huge strides. The paintings I'm going to show at my solo show in February are going to be, I think, going to really change people's idea of who I am, because it's changed my idea of who I am. Wow. So I'm I'm so happy. I feel Uh. like it's been, he is critical, but gives me direction and focus, and has said, you know, these paths are more productive. And if I trust him, so I feel like I'm still going to do whatever I'm going to do. And my work is going to go in the directions that it is. But he's saying, be inventive. You know, now's your chance to experiment. Nothing about commerce, all about like, own your own work, own your own imagery, just really give it everything you've got. And so I have, and it's been, I think, just this really amazing transformation in my own mind of how I think of myself, not as, oh, if I did this big painting, could it even be shown? No, like I have this great opportunity. I know this stuff that I'm doing is going to get a platform. And it's it's just, um, I'm ready. It's taken me a long time. I'm not a young artist, but... I mean, just the fact that someone would take a chance on me just doesn't happen for women at this age that often. I mean, think of it. It's, you know, yeah, people. No, There's I just know. a few of us who've managed to no, make it, it, this transition. It's, it's, hard. it's hard. It's hard for anyone. I mean, if you've earned it as much or more than anybody. I mean, I'm, I hear you and I hear how, you know, um, elevated you are about it. I, as a casual observer, am not surprised one bit because I... <laughs> Thought, nice uh, I've always believed in your work and your, you know, commitment to your work and your work ethic, everything about it. So I'm not really surprised. But I find it really interesting how one, you know, you're such a consummate professional, been doing this for so long. And I'm really interested um, in what that studio visit and what it means to like how one person can come and make a a difference like well I think I was already on a good path otherwise he wouldn't have come so it's clear I was making some choices obviously caught his eye right but but when he came over I had a whole bunch of different paintings I had paintings of my kind of um references to old masters with Mm -hmm. um 
my own handwriting. I had some mythological subjects. Mm -hmm. And then I had these weird landscapes where I was putting these Picasso-esque sculptures as if they had gone out for a walk in Mm -hmm. a pastoral setting. And then I had paintings of um, like sculptures by people like Carpeau, like artists from the 19th century, which I had reinterpreted as um, uh, figures that were alive. So there was like a lot of different stuff going on, some of which was very bizarre and a jump for me. And he picked out a couple of strains of mm-hmm. this like big melange of work and said, I think these are the most interesting. And he didn't say only do those or do those, but he said, I think these would be really interesting. And we discussed them. And, and that made me think that he was giving me focus and um, acting as an editor, because I do a lot of work. I work all the time, yes. and I work quickly, and I change you my can mind. Tell. And Sharon Butler characterized me as restless, and I think that's a really <laughs> good way to describe yeah. my feelings. I'm not always sure that I'm on the right path. I'm, I change my mind. I repaint things. I move quickly through things, and I'm not... You have a lot of physical drive. Is that correct? I like, think that's I think a big you're... part of it, but now I've got to be much more physical because the paintings that I'm working on now are so much bigger and... I realize that you actually have to be in pretty good shape to work on something like that because right. you have to put that much material on a surface and it's it's big surface and you're covering it in terms of your eye and your hand and um, it's just right. it's, I'm up to it. I just but that's I just part of your nature. I mean, I think by nature you have like a lot of physical, you know, a lot of just innate energy, physical and mental, and you know, you're just by nature a very energetic person right well he focused me i think he was seeing that but he was saying there's just there's just too much like activity in these paintings like you need to work bigger so that you can um have a kind of hierarchy in it i think is what he was getting at he Mm -hmm. i mean he showed me some things about my work that i think were absolutely on the mark i didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily want to say oh right at the time but i took his advice and i think it's led me in a direction i couldn't have seen he did a little super egoing for you or I mean, he, I think he, the best editors can really help an artist. And if absolutely. you trust somebody, artists are not good editors of their own work. Oh, and no. I found that out from running a gallery that it's if I felt like I had a good eye on other people's work. But that doesn't mean you have a good eye on absolutely. your own work. And I mean, I think that's why it's really important to have studio visits, which none of us really do very very do enough of because right? it's frightening you're you're really exposing yourself i think in a way and you especially as you get older you want to think i know the answers or like i'm already on this path or whatever and it's it doesn't you don't always want to but like when you want uh, uh, to have a kind of dealer attention you have to expose yourself that way and um usually dealers are tactful enough that if they're not interested they just don't pursue it they're not going to give you a critique but somebody who's interested in your work you know, will stay a long time, move things around. I mean, I can remember Mike came in and he turned a bunch of paintings around, like to the wall. Oh, that must have been hard. And I remember thinking, oh, man, like this was going to be my chance. But what he was doing was he was turning off the noise. He was saying, these are the ones I'm interested in. This is the direction. This is, mm-hmm. And I realized that that's actually what I was thinking when I went to other people's studios. You edit out in whatever way you do mm-hmm. and try and see the best foot that somebody can put forward. That's what you want that person to do for you. Right. And most importantly of all of this, I think, is that what he had to say resonated deeply with you. He picked up on something. He got that was, your work, that was and he got he most got... personal to me, and he tried to weed out what he thought was just right, uh, like getting in the way of that. And, and I... I don't know if I'll always agree with him, but I, I, 
I, for some reason, this just really clicked, and it's I can see the progress in the last few months. And I mean, sometimes I'll text him images that I'm working on, which I would never have done mm-hmm. in the past to other mm-hmm. dealers. And he'll say, "I don't think this is hitting it," or "You know, this is mm-hmm. really great." And it's it's a way to kind of just have a dialogue with somebody who you trust. It's to me, it's been really wonderful. I don't think every artist wants that, but I have, and I realize it's been. I'm, I mean, I don't need to be motivated. I just want to have a dialogue with somebody as we move forward toward the show, especially. Well, I think it's an ideal, you know, I think it's it's an ideal relationship to have with, with, with anybody. You know, if you're making something, whether you're a writer or whatever, to have somebody that can help you edit your work or, or develop your work that you trust, that makes, when they, they make sense to you. I think that's really hard to find for anybody but I also think it's particularly great um, that it's with a dealer that's going to be showing your work. I think it's essential because I, I don't want to have that person be in the dark about what I'm going to show up with in February. And I I think he's taken a chance on me um, and it's incumbent upon me to just make him not sorry that he did. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to... This is going to be really great. I think I'm feeling. I I I feel like that. I'm. You know, it really surprises me to hear you say um, you feel. To me, it surprises me to hear you say um, I feel like he's taking a chance on me. Well, I'm older. I think. uh, I mean, the other artist he's taken on recently is having the show in September. His name is Dan Shine. He's thirty. I mean, and his work is a little bit. We're kind of like the opposite of each other but we're like he's the male version and i'm the female version like he does all these caveman type paintings Mm -hmm. of guys in these apocalyptic landscapes like sitting on their porch with their Mm -hmm. gun and their turkey and their you know whatever their corpse (laughs) like Mm -hmm. in the background and i'm more the female version of this world that's got all kinds of other stuff in it fabric and birds and dogs and light and mass old master things and picasso sculptures and it's like my junkyard is filled with a certain kind of thing and his is filled with another where I I can see why he would Mike would like both of our works but Mm -hmm. you know there's a guy who is as yet unformed and is not known and he'll I mean Mike has a chance to present him but I've been around and I think for him it's a chance to represent me and it's taking place at a time when my work is I think at a really good place. So, so do you think like, you mean like that if you're a younger artist, people can speculate about your work? Of that course. That's yes. That's really absolutely. what you're saying. I mean, I yeah. don't mean that that's the reason that he's taken <laughs> on Dan. Because you're not going to die as soon. <laughs> yes. There's, there's much more opportunity for. So, so you could make a lot more. You could still, you could still like, I mean, we, we think of having like a big show like you're having at a uh, gallery like that, making it big, but, but like people, think, oh, well, they still have time to make it big, like that retrospective at MoMA. Is that what you mean? I think it's 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 hard to say because, like, we see somebody like Kathy Bradford who got taken right. on by Canada or Murnette Larson mm-hmm. at um, James Cohan. And those are people who, like, Kathy had been hiding in plain sight forever. Yeah. She had a good gallery at Thorpe. She'd yeah. shown a lot. Murnette Larson, not so much. Um, what but, about Betty Tompkins? Yeah, Betty. It's, that's another she's perfect a great example. example. And she's at PPOW. I mean, people who've yeah. been around, they knew their work, but it was like they needed a chance to be recontextualized in a place where people would pay attention to them. And that's what's happened for them. And it means that people 
are looking back at their other work, their older work, and they're looking at them in a different context. And some of the reason that's happened is because there's a lot of figurative painting being done by young artists. And that's the reason that Kathy Bradford and mm. Lynette Larson mm. in particular, in mm. my opinion, have become hip again. It's because they are for the first time or whatever, because Betty's right. a little different. But I mean, the the it's the art world changes. It's a wheel. And as it turns around, uh, it casts a light or a shadow on things in the past, and it brings them back into focus. Yes, and yes. Like, like Judith Delanero deserves that, too. She's another person who's been working with figurative kind of crazy imagery, and she should be, like, well, more in the spotlight. Well, also, and she will be. It's uh, Yeah, I yeah. Think. No, I, I, these I are think, artists who are older a, than I am. <laughs> no, I so. think a lot of women artists <laughs> got passed up in um, a long time ago because, you know, women are definitely getting more of a place in the art world now, you know, or... or than than they were at the time when they were young. And so I think there's a lot of great work by a lot of women artists that got overlooked. And, I and think some of them are dead. Like Dominique LeVay is picking up artists from the 30s and 40s mm. who are not alive because they there's a shortage of inventory of these high-priced works. Mm. And so they have to go back into the mm. past and, like, comb through it more. So it's there's operating an artist in that t- way, There's an art, art collecting tip for you, an art market tip for you people. No, it's true. <laughs> I mean, some of it is market-driven. I mean, dealers are the ones who can make it is the big difference. And it is. You can it see is. it in the case Let's of not Kathy. Pretend. And others, it's that when a dealer says this person needs to be looked at, whether they're young or old, the world focuses a little bit more than if other communities decide that. Mm-hmm. It's because the commercial world is where the rubber meets the road. So right. that's that'll it's be true. My, it's my true. Point. It's true. I have to do a station ID. I got a lecture, not a lecture, but I, I had some training yesterday and I found out that I don't do them often enough. So I'm going to remind people that they're listening to. Dr. Lisa gives a shit on Radio Free Brooklyn. So thanks for listening in. And I'm talking to Deborah Brown and we're talking about uh, art. We're talking about art and uh, where her career is and art, women artists, old lady women artists, crap like that. So, um, you know what? I'm also really interested in hearing from you. Um, I find this to be a pattern in life for for a lot of successful creative people, like where somehow they get there's some horrible obstacle that they overcome and then they rise out of it in a much better or more complete place do you know what i mean like you know like mark maron's the golden first example that comes to my mind because you know he was like nowhere he he was doing this thing in his basement and now he's you know, he had gone through so much and now he's, you know, a star. And it happens to a lot. Of, you know what I'm talking about, right, Deborah? I do. I, f- I feel like my life has been remarkably free of that. And mm-hmm. I've been one of the most privileged people I can think of. And I, th- I think New York and working here and is a great luxury. And, but it's also a, a huge frustration because all the most ambitious, smart, driven uh, mm-hmm. motivated people are here and they're all your peers and competitors and your colleagues. And so right. if you are ambitious, it's always right. like just you don't need any really in particular obstacle to no, overcome, but, to feel that you have a like a steep right. boulder to roll up that no, hill it's hard. It's every hard. day. And I've had very few of those in terms of the, the resources well, that I've had but, access to have always enabled me to focus on my work and 
I've been very lucky that well, way, but that's well, in that some ways a, my only obstacles have been myself. I no, think. but like, I mean, my I was editing process. Yeah, has no, kept I was me talking from, about like what you went through recently with your health and the um, renovation. Oh, you know, those did, are, did that like, was that a big obstacle, or I, did that like what was I that like? I don't feel that that actually it was such a short amount of time, and it just delayed me from. Uh, I mean, working, or it just prevented me from working to my fullest for a month or two, but I, it, it never really changed my, I don't think of it as a watershed. I, I think you don't. I, okay. I feel like interesting. what, I, I mean, maybe, maybe you're, you're really seen, that driven. You're really that driven. I, <laughs> I, don't, I think, no, maybe it is, you know, uh, I'm not, it I'm doesn't not, have uh, to be. What? I, I'm not sure exactly what it was that caused everything to come together for me in mm-hmm. the way that at least I believe it has now. Mm-hmm. I think to me getting, I've, I'm a very, um, uh, I think person driven by um, my will and my intellect. And that's been my biggest strength and my biggest um, obstacle in my work as an artist because it's really prevented me. It's made me extremely motivated and hardworking to discipline mm-hmm. and thoughtful but it hasn't really let me remove my editor, inner editor, and mm. just let it out. And that's mm. what I think I've been able to tap mm-hmm. within the last, like, six months or so in a way that got Mike's attention, other people's attention, mm. and allowed my work to get a lot better. And it took me this long mm. to be able to That's so say, interesting. Uh, put those things on the shelf and believe in some other part of yourself that's much more mm. intuitive, emotional, private, Whatever it is, it's other people can tap into that much more quickly right. as younger artists, and that's what counts for their success. I've been both helped and delayed by my strengths, and it's hmm. I've had to battle them. They've been the things that I've battled. Interesting. Not, not the Lyme disease, not the renovation blocking. It's, it's your your mere productivity in it's, essence. It's more my my the fact that I'm on a very like. I don't know. I think I use my brain in a way that is not always helpful to my work. It's it's taken me a while to figure out how to mm-hmm. use it in the most effective so, way. So is there intro, introspection or is – I mean is there enough introspection? Is it that – and how – like why didn't you or how was it that you didn't stumble across – you must somebody else to help edit it or – I don't know. What I do think, think when you get there? older and you're on your own path, like you have a gallery that shows your work uh, and you're in a certain rhythm and you have your certain friends or whatever, you're just not in a position where you're constantly – you have to provide you don't get your a own fresh critique. Your, your, your critic is yourself and that's what I'm saying. It just took me a while to mm-hmm. kind of be the artist that I think I'm capable now of mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. and I believe I will be mm-hmm. and that – I think everybody's on their own path, and mine's just taken me a while. I, hmm. I, I don't know how to maybe explain this any better no, than I am. No, I'm getting it. No, I'm getting it. It's really, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm giving myself some of the credit, and I'm giving Mike some of the credit, and I'm giving, like, just luck some of the credit. No, I mean, but, you know, um, well, eventually, it? it's all it's come out. I mean, he's kind of helped me, I think, unleash it. And hopefully we'll see the benefit. We'll see the fruits of that yeah, <laughs> in February. <yeah. laughs> so, um, but what I am hearing is that you are really um, lo- loving and being connected to what you're doing right now. It's really great. Every day and I really- go there, and I think I'm so excited because I don't really mm-hmm. know exactly what's going to happen, which is a good thing. But I feel like I have the tools to trust mm-hmm. my. Um, 
my process to come up with things that are going to mm-hmm. both surprise me and mm-hmm. connect uh, between the paintings to make this show. I, I feel like I'm finding my voice in a way that I just... I'd always hoped I'd be able to, and now I think I have. It's um, it's a wonderful feeling. And must yes, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. It sounds like you were really you you really got something that you needed that you didn't even realize that you needed in a way. It's I was I was getting there on my own, and he speeded it up. It's um, that's part of the reason that he picked me up. I think mm-hmm. it's that. And that's what's so great about things like Instagram and social media and mm-hmm. is that you have the chance to connect mm-hmm. to somebody. And that's happened in a way that you might not have in previous life. Mm-hmm. You would have had to go and beg them. You would have had to physically put yourself in front of them or do it through some kind of dorky, clunky correspondence. And it's happening with me even with collectors. I can see it on Instagram. Like certain people are starting to follow me who you think of as being in the pantheon of the serious mm-hmm. collectors. Mm-hmm. They press like about my work. Mm-hmm. Like how could that ever have happened? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking it's it's because the channels are now much more open and democratic right. and because my work is better. And it's this coincidence of things. So that gives great hope to lots of artists at different points in their career mm-hmm. that if they are stick with it, there's a chance for them to be seen by the people they want to be seen by, however right. they define that community, whether it's their fellow artists, collectors, mm-hmm. dealers, opportunities. It's it's not so stratified now, and right. you can break through. Like, isn't that a fantastic thing? <laughs> it's wonderful. About our world. That's but, what, how but I, I also want to note that you know you did reach out to Mike and invite him to come to your studio, and he was open enough to say yes. But I mean, that doesn't right. He 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 responded, but. I mean, a lot of times um, people don't always think to reach, you know, or they but don't reach out. why wouldn't they? I say that to artists, like when, I, when they say, well, how did you get into the gallery? And I say, Instagram. And they say, well, you know, did he contact you? And I said, no, it was a little bit more circuitous, but just as expeditious. <laughs> and, and some people have said, well, it wouldn't have occurred to me to follow up. And I think, well, why do you live in New York? <laughs> Yeah. Why, why would you? Yeah, why would you be comes, here if you can't take advantage of that? And it's you. incumbent on you as the artist. I the agree. one who has to make the steps. They're besieged by people. They can pick anybody. Mm-hmm. They do tons of studio mm-hmm. visits if they're if they're savvy. And mm-hmm. you know, everyone is trying to. I mean, you have to fit a certain niche for them mm-hmm. that they may, in fact, be looking for. But that you have to make the effort. To you you had find mentioned that, that you'd had you'd started having dealers over. Were a lot of those um, studio visits that you had initiated? Yes, I would say. And some of them think, came through Instagram and some of it came through um, my asking other artists if their dealer perhaps would come over. Those were, I See? think, the least productive in the sense that you're you're counting on. I mean, you always hear that artists influence right. their dealers about who right. to go see. Okay, so right. that's true. But that doesn't mean that just because you're friends with an artist that their dealer is going to be interested in your work. Sure. And that's what I've found to be – like mm-hmm. those people might come dealers as sort of a mercy visit. You can tell when people are coming. They're, <laughs> they're happy to be there, but they're they're basically doing it as a favor to somebody mm-hmm. else. And there's tons mm-hmm. of that in the art world. Um, so those visits were not so productive. Then there were art, there were visits where I would – um, Instagram my work, people would like it, I would invite them. Those I had more faith in. Mm-hmm. And so I think the things you can scrounge up yourself yeah, are probably going to be to know that. better. I want people to know that. You should and use every contact you can. I mean, yeah. if you feel comfortable asking your peers who have representation or have 
contacts. Mm -hmm. You just get your work out there. I mean, people do not scour their brains to think, oh, what's the best artist to put in this show? They pick the low-hanging fruit of people, Mm -hmm. their buddies, their friends, the people who are being buzzed about. It's amazingly narrow. And that's why artists who are of color and women often feel on the outside of that because they haven't been in those power structures now that there are more in those power structures. But you can see that you just have to put yourself out there so much so that you'll be that person they think of and not have to rack their brain about. Right. So there's a lot of strategies. Right. But if you try a bunch of them, maybe some of them will work. No, but I mean, I think it's really important to to note that like I mean, he liked your work and then you reached out to him. It wasn't it wasn't like you did all it wasn't like, you know, we're recommending that people just cold call every gallery. It was like, no, that's you followed up on. You followed up on an open productive and it isn't. Right. It's, you have to make your opportunities and a exactly. lot of them come through social media, luck, attending openings physically staying in touch with your artist network which being engaged things and that's the whole thing that circles back to where we first started lisa which is community uh-huh. if you don't have a community you don't really have a life in the art world whatever community you make is the basis mm-hmm. of your strength and for me it was bushwick if i hadn't come here i would not mm-hmm. have had the growth in my work myself as a person the skills i have developed the people i've met who've changed mm-hmm. me it's been I I mean, I am not anything without this place. Just because I don't um, have the same relationship right. to it, it doesn't mean that I yeah. don't feel that it really well, has made me who I am. Well, people also know that you are capable of doing a lot and getting a lot done and that you're very generous and very fair and very, you know, honest and all that stuff. So in other words, like as far as being somebody to work with, or, you know, having an image out there, you've created a very positive one. And, you know, and you're obviously somebody who's like not just out for themselves. So, I mean, I think that your engagement in the community has um, created an image for you that's been helpful alongside of your work. Well, hopefully people will understand that my focus has shifted for a while. I mean, I'm going to be doing some mm-hmm. uh, guest curated shows during Bushwick Open Studios ah. the first weekend of October this mm-hmm. year. It's moved um, mm-hmm. in my space. So I'll do my own open studio, which mm-hmm. is always the the sort of anchor mm-hmm. because it's supposed to privilege the mm-hmm. studios. And But I'm showing the work of artists who's um, who have curated shows in other parts of the space. So I think that that's probably what will happen with my space going forward is that there will be opportunities for me to have other people's work there yeah. in a way that isn't so programmatic because I obviously have moved away from that and I think my energy will not be right. manifested in that way right. as it has. And the community doesn't need that, I think, from me. Because they've gotten off the ground and there's a lot of people I think it's time for me to move hands. off that stage and let other people mm-hmm. take the stage. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of young people mm-hmm. who are continuing the mm-hmm. artist-run space and then more established players who are morphing in different ways and it's still a really great place for artists to take charge and do what they want I'm, to do and I don't need to be the cheerleader for that anymore. Right, I mean, right. I just heard that Roberta's has been sold and they're going to franchise it. Have you heard that? Uh, no. Somebody I'm not just surprised. my neighbor who owns the buildings next to me on 10X oh, told me man. that that's happening. So, I mean, think about it. That's yeah. less than 10 years. No, I know. I I've been here since 2001 changed. and yeah, it's just yeah, it's a different it's a different place. Um, so 
um, I imagine, you know, you're, you're really looking, you're looking forward to the show. I think after the show, you know, you know, it'll be really interesting. It'll probably put you in even more of a slight, somewhat different direction, whatever. I mean, it's going to be a big, it's a big deal. So let's talk about, um, also like the rest of your life. So I know that you, um, uh, have a great relationship with your husband, who's a, uh, a, a orthodontist and a lawyer and a lawyer, which is another <laughs> and a weird worker. He's in our building on Stockholm street, right near here. And, um, has really good relationship with the community. He does mm-hmm. a lot of And he's done a lot for... of like orthodontia work for the kids and stuff like yeah, that. Is that he's, right? He's also a mentor. Like there's a girl across the street is the first one to go to college in her family and probably on the block. And um, he's given uh, – her mother comes over and she comes over and they, he gave them a lot of advice about – her college thing when she was applying to colleges. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's, a, there's a guy who's a recovering heroin addict who comes Whoa. over and, uh, you know, talks about how he can get back into the community. I mean, Eric is this magnet for people who sort of want advice or help or whatever. He's just, yeah, I'm definitely going to come over and visit him. <laughs> he's, uh, he's very generous. You know, he really wants to be involved in, the community in a way that I think I was more and I'm less so. And it's, it's just, he's a really good guy. He's kind of fun. a saint. He's sort of hard to live up to actually. Well, Cause his motives know. are so always so pure. It's and, funny. Uh, <laughs> you two have very separate. I mean, I know you're very close, but you, in a way you have very separate lives, at least from the outside looking in. Like I think, I think I've only, I mean, I've been to your studio gallery, whatever, like dozens, dozen, dozens of times. And I think I've only met him once or twice. He's usually down in the man cave um, smoking cigars. He, when, <laughs> during my openings, he would host these cigar parties of different buddies. Like he would have Sicilian night or um, like orthodontic residence night or whatever. And he would have buddies based on different funny. Um, common backgrounds. So do and, you guys hang out with? Your friends, his friends together, what, what, or are you guys just busy and don't like kind of like, you know, I'm really busy. I don't really even hang out with people on an individual basis that often. Do you? I don't so much, but um, Eric's family is a big part of his life and we hang out with them. Um, he has a lot of friends. We do things with them, friends from all different parts of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll sometimes do things with friends of mine who are mostly artists, but mm-hmm. I would say less so. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we do a lot of cultural and social things, like in the evenings. But mm-hmm. um, but a lot of times he'll come home and just work. He'll work on the law, and I'll just um, you know make dinner for us and mm-hmm. clean the house and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's so he I must mean, be very excited to see your progress as well. I think he is. It's actually really kind of cool because he's always he's never questioned me and said, "Well, why don't you do something else?" Mm-hmm. or why don't you get a job? <laughs> why, yeah, don't why don't you just get make a, some money? Or why don't you, try, or, or why don't you just you know, get a job like, in Hillary's cabinet like you should, <laughs> like you're supposed to? Um, he's never he's never been anything other than just very stable and supportive. And I think it's 
he knows that this is a big deal for me and my dream come true in some ways. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think he's really happy for me. It's been really good. It must be rewarding really for him to see it and be part of it. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like it hasn't all been just a pipe dream. Like, like um, some, I mean, some segment of the art world that is important things, then you're good. So I don't, yeah, so, I don't, I never doubted it, but I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. There is something really particular to getting that particular type of recognition after working so long. That's a good way to describe it because it's one type of thing. I mean, I think he enjoyed that I was so involved with Bushwick and had mm-hmm. done a lot mm-hmm. in the community and had relationships with many people, which are still part of my life but it's that's one kind of activity and this is another and oh. in some ways they don't have to necessarily merge and that's no. what I think it is for no. like a lot of people who now have studios in Bushwick there's some very well-known artists within yeah. a short radius of my studio oh yeah they don't have anything to do with yeah. the community and yeah. the, no one's really saying they should and I'm not talking about Jules de Valencourt who's done a lot <laughs> for Bushwick he's the exception right but there have been other people of his sure. stature who are not I mean, yeah, they don't care about Bushwick like Bushwick artists. Open Studios. No, they're not going to. They would think that oh, would be ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And it's frustrating because, in some ways, we need them for mm-hmm. certain things and how to get them involved with, say, the not for profits that are struggling to give emerging mm-hmm. artists a chance to show, or could they be benefactors? I'm going to put a, in a pitch to them. They're not oh, going to be listening, nice. but just in case they nice. are. I think it's one untapped that's a nice, resource. Like, that's a I'm nice involved idea. with raising money for lots of. Uh-huh. Um, charities in Bushwick, whether it's mm-hmm. Still Waters in a Storm, which is a charity that helps um, younger children, um, some immigrants to New York and to this community. Stephen Half runs it around the corner on Stanhope Street. Mm-hmm. And he's like a safe place for these kids to come and learn. Or the Bushwick Star, which is a theater that also does outreach right. to children oh. and produces a play from the mm-hmm. kids who have that school mm-hmm. off Maria Hernandez Park. Or Nurture Art or Momenta mm-hmm. or um, Brick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're I mean, involved. all these things yes. that I'm involved yes, with that other people are involved are. with too need money to run. And people like me go hand in hand to all our friends and others mm-hmm. saying give money. I think if some of these well-known artists who have their studios yeah. here and have really cashed in big time at the top of the art food chain mm. were to get involved with any one of these charities, pick one. Some yeah. are not art-related. Some are just children-related or community community related it would be so great that's and a great point i don't know how to get to them but they've made their fortunes in new york and mm-hmm. it's, i know that some of them do give back but it's it, mm-hmm. it's remember when you as a famous artist were mm-hmm. like a struggling person mm-hmm. think of how those organizations could use your help to give opportunities to people really... who are just like you 20 years ago or whatever yeah and i don't know how to reach that group but that's who well, I'm if anybody's listening, <laughs> if anybody's listening out there, any of you famous artists that happen to have studios in Bushwick, but yeah, that's a Brooklyn good message to whatever, put out there because we'll all be thinking about it, and the next time we run into a famous artist, maybe you know we'll uh, bring it up, something like that. So we have like five minutes left. I want to get in. So your husband as an editor, so because you were. T- He's been. Do, do you take his advice on oh, your work, or yes. does he talk he's about very, it a lot? He's a good editor too. I oh, every time he really? comes over, I always drag him to like clean up the man cave or restock his cigar supply in the man cave. I always make mm-hmm. him come and say, "This is what I'm doing." And how does he help you? Like, what's what is he good at? Is he good at um, first take? He doesn't have a, a developed vocabulary to really get into the mechanics mm-hmm. of why something might be good or not. But since we all know, like often your first take on a work is the good one 
he can say this I like, that I don't like, and he's almost always right in the way that I come to see it. And eventually, also, so a sense of quality, maybe. Would you? It's it's like whether, what's what's yeah. really good quality. Yeah, what makes an impact? What's interesting? Mm-hmm. What you know? What misses the mark or whatever? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. I I think I've come to value his advice oh. a lot too. Uh, but he's not in the business of saying, well, I think you should go in this direction no, or no, that but direction. He, he's That's what a, but did. he has a role. He definitely has been See, then even my... an orthodontist lawyer can really help you. <laughs> Don't miss any opportunities like that. So well, he Doug, sees a lot of art, so yes, of not just course. mine. No, but he's yeah, dragged and around. He's had of course. my, I think, a like my affinities rub off on him all these years. Yeah, as yeah, well. of course. And he knows your work. He sees it. He knows what development is for you too. Yes. So we have like uh, two minutes left. Let's make sure that we get in all the details about the show that's up now at Mike Weiss and when your solo show is going to be in February. We'll bring it up again closer to February. Maybe we'll have you back or something. You know, to hear how things are going. But in the meantime, just let us know what's up now and what's coming. Thank you, Lisa. That's generous of you. Um, the show that's up now is the summer show at Mike Weiss. Uh, it's on 520 West 24th Street. The show is called Schools Out, and it has four gallery artists. It's me, Jerry Kearns, Thresh Holmes, uh, and uh, a Chinese artist, Liao Yibei. Gotten a lot so of press. The, a lot of really good press. Uh, thank you. The four it's of true. us um, yeah. have the show until August uh, 6th, and mm-hmm. so that's the end of next week. The galleries open Monday through Friday, 10 to 6 summer hours. And mm-hmm. then my solo show will open February 23rd and run for six weeks uh, next a... year. So that's during the Armory show, and that'll be it's really It's so great. great it's during the Armory show. Was... I get chills. You know, I just got chills thinking about it. I you think I've known you long enough that I feel really invested. <laughs> well, I, when I first got the opportunity and my took me on I had a, a bunch of sleepless nights because I thought I now I'm getting what I asked I for know. and be careful what you wish for right it's and scary. I just thought oh I'm gonna flop it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be great but it's not it's gonna be good it's gonna be and, great yeah I'm really excited for you Deborah. thank thank you so much for being here today it was really an uplifting inspiring conversation and come thank back you, next week folks on uh uh Thursday at between 2 to 3 p.m., we're going to have Rachel Clear- Cleary, who's the partner of one of the station founders. That's right, Rob Pitt- Pritchard's uh, partner, girlfriend, whatever you want to call it. And I can find. Dr. Lisa gives a shit.